Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is space news. This is from sciencealert.com. And the headline is, scientists have grown microbes on actual rock bits from Mars. This is related to, well, it's not related to, it's just a similar kind of story of what I talked about last week. I was going to say, we had multiple Mars stories last week, too. Um, Mars continues. Yes. So scientists have ground up small pieces of the Martian Black Beauty meteorite and have used it to grow extremophile microbes, according to a study published in Communications, Earth, and Environment. If ancient life existed on Mars, then of all the life on Earth, it's most likely to resemble an extremophile. These are organisms that live in conditions we once thought were too hostile to support life, such as sub-zero super salty lakes in Antarctica or volcanic geothermal springs, or Earth's lower crust deep beneath the seafloor. So just all really extreme environments. The microbe selected for this study was Metallosphera sedula. Oh, yes. (laughs) A thermoacidophilic (laughs) archaean found in hot acidic volcanic springs. Oh, my favorite kind of that (laughs) thing. Yeah, many long words. (laughs) So this was placed over the Martian mineral in a bioreactor that was carefully heated and gassed with air and carbon dioxide. The team then used microscopy to observe the growth of cells. And the cells did grow successfully. The ground mass left behind allowed the scientists to observe how the microbe used and transformed the material in order to build cells, leaving behind biomineral deposits. They used scanning transmission electron microscopy to study those deposits down to the atomic scale. This work could provide some invaluable data in the search for ancient life on Mars. The Perseverance rover, which last week arrived on the Red Planet, will be looking specifically for these types of biosigns. And now that astrobiologists know what these deposits look like, they might find it easier to identify similar things in the samples. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, so I think it, it seems like there's like parallel work going on looking at Things growing in Martian rock, Martian dust and stuff, which uh-huh. is just cool to me. Yeah. Gotta gotta track down that that weird tiny life up there. Yeah. My first story is food news. This is from BuzzFeed. Taco Bell is rolling out their version of a chicken sandwich, and we need to talk about it. <laughs> That's their headline. I feel like I'm usually the ones that well, the one that brings puns like that. Yeah, <laughs> I have to give them credit for that pun. It's uh, a good pun. Yeah, it's, it's, it's solid. Uh, like so many fast food chains, Taco Bell is introducing their own take on the chicken sandwich, and it's called the crispy chicken sandwich taco. <laughs> Why is that so funny to me? <laughs> Because it's hilarious. Have you seen? Have you seen sandwich, this thing? No. I have to show you a picture of it too. It's it a is, sandwich taco. It is strange. Um, <laughs> so, uh, beginning March 11th, Taco Bell is offering these hybrid taco sandwiches in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Nashville, uh, with a nationwide debut later this year. As with other fast food chicken sandwiches, you can get it regular or spicy. 
And according to Taco Bell, these tacos are made with puffy bread shaped in taco form and filled with a piece of crispy tortilla chicken and flavorful, flavorful signature creamy chipotle sauce. Um, so when they say puffy bread, it really, to me, just looks like a hamburger bun, like bottom folded in half. <laughs> um, I envisioned like a, like non bread, like that kind like a nope. pita. No, it's not like that. <laughs> it's okay. not. It's okay. I'll show you. I, okay. <laughs> to me, honestly, it looks more like a pancake <laughs> folded in half. But oh. yeah, if we're being generous, just more like a, B- a bun. burger bun. Um, it looks like the spicy one has like jalapenos on it, which, you know, makes sense thematically. Uh, and it will cost $2.49 if you were worried about that. <laughs> uh, I just, yeah, I just want to show you a picture of this thing. Okay. I don't, it's, I don't know if I find it appealing, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I definitely want to try it <laughs> because it's Taco Bell. So, <laughs> oh yeah, your reaction says a lot. I don't. <laughs> Sorry, I had like a, my my feelings just went through like a range of feelings. Like first I was like confused, and then I was accepting of it, and then I thought it was hilarious. So you went like, through the five stages of grief, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. It's just a chi- it's just a chicken sandwich, but in the shape of a taco. In the shape of a taco, it's like that's so. It's like, like if you absurd. removed the top bun from a typical chicken sandwich and then like folded the bottom bun around the. Chicken. Yes, that's what that's what it is. I'm still gonna try it. <laughs> <laughs> I might try it. Wash it down. It's with something some different. Yeah, it's... I think. Yeah, maybe the my. Problem, not not problem with it, but my concern is just that they're calling it both a sandwich and a taco, and I don't know that something can be both those things. Yeah, I mean, it really seems like a stretch to call it a taco, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a sandwich either. It's really not. And it's what like, is I'd, it? <laughs> I'd say the thing it's probably closest to is like a pita situation, yeah. like yeah. A, almost a wrap, but it's also not a wrap. <laughs> It's like a pita pocket sandwich. Yeah, like a pita pocket. Just with no pita. With no pita. <laughs> Taco Bell, what <laughs> have you Okay, my next story is archaeology news. This is from smithsonianmag.com. And the headline is, Ancient DNA Reveals the Oldest Domesticated Dog in the Americas. Ooh. Yeah. For more than a decade, archaeologists thought they were looking at a bear. <laughs> Known to experts as this is a, a this like numerical code for this fragment of bone. It was it was known to experts as PP00128. Classic. That's just yeah, it's named. It's a classic bone fragment. <laughs> it was found in a southeastern Alaskan cave. And it was thought to be from a large mammal that lived in that area thousands of years ago. But ancient DNA evidence has given this unassuming shard of bone a new identity. The sliver did not belong to a bear, but instead the most ancient dog yet found in the Americas. The surprising realization was published this week in a study in the Proceedings of the Royal Society B. 
while looking for Ice Age bear bones to examine, like <laughs> one does. Yeah. Univer- <laughs> that's, what, that's how I'm going to spend my weekend. <laughs> Me too. I mean, just, like, yeah, what else know, is there to like do? I mean, let's just casually, find yeah. some fossilized bear or whatever. Yeah, and just, like, look at it under a microscope, yeah, you know? classic. <laughs> University of Buffalo geneticist Charlotte Lindvist set about analyzing this bone sample. Perhaps the DNA would reveal what sort of bear the bone came from and how it was related to other ursids. But when Lindvist and colleagues analyzed the DNA extracted from the bone, they found something very different. This bear was actually a dog. (laughs) Advances in how ancient DNA is extracted and sequenced have allowed researchers to quickly assess the genetics of organisms much faster than ever before, building a growing database that can be used to detect broader patterns. Um... The more ancient DNA that's recovered, analyzed, and placed in the database, the bigger that sample is that researchers have to work with um, when trying to understand how organisms relate to each other. So that's cool. Yeah. So, like, this article just kind of threw that in here as, like, a background of, like, the reason why we're able to to more accurately identify things now, even if we've already analyzed them in the past, is because of just our growing body of knowledge and, like, the database of DNA that exists. They're almost building up, like, an evolutionary tree of DNA that yeah. they can reference. Yes. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's really cool. So uh, the discovery of a domesticated dog in this area points to a growing body of evidence that people traveled ben- between the continents by moving along the coast, perhaps using early watercraft to move across the wetter parts uh, current estimates suggest that people could have traveled through this area as early as 17,000 years ago and for sure by 15,000 years ago. Um, and I, I won't go into all the details, but there was a, other background in this article about like other evidence that is forming about like when people moved through that area. And this is just like a big piece of that evidence that's kind of corroborating other things that have been found. So okay. um, that's pretty cool. So it actually like means it's actually like more meaningful that it's a dog than if it had actually just been a bear, I feel like, <laughs> because of that reason. Like, it's yeah. actually, it's teaching us things about, like, when people were moving through different areas. Right, if it was just so, a bear, we'd go, like, no, and it was no, just a no, bear. there's a bear yeah. there, also. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's what the scientists had to say. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like that. My next story is science news. This is from Inc.com. This is how reading rewires your brain, according to neuroscience. Whoa. Yeah. I'm interested. I love reading. That's This article made me think I should read more. <laughs> <All right. laughs> that's, that's my main takeaway from it. <laughs> um, so science shows that reading doesn't just fill your brain with information. It actually changes the way your brain works for the better as well. Uh, Different experts disagree on some of the finer details, but a growing body of scientific literature shows that reading is basically an empathy workout. Uh, By nudging us to take the perspective of characters very different from ourselves, reading boosts boosts our emotional intelligence, which makes sense. Um, So this is, this is just like short term, um, like the empathy thing, but there's more details on longer term in like a second. Uh, so this effect can be seen in your brain waves when you read. If a character in your book is playing tennis, areas of your brain that would light up if you were physically out there on the court yourself are activated. So that's kind of cool. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's how empathy works is that your brain just is like, yeah, I'm there too. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, another line of research shows that deep reading, the kind that happens when you curl up with a great book for an extended period of time, also builds up our ability to focus and grasp complex ideas. And like on the flip side, if you don't read a lot, those I, those abilities can kind of wither. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Which I'm no. just like, huh, that might explain some things for me. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but what about in the long term? Uh, a recent article by author and a Harvard professor, Joseph uh, Henrik, sums up the answers to these questions. The piece offers an account on how the Protestant Reformation led to a huge increase in literacy rates, which in turn permanently rewired our brains. So apparently because, like, everyone was learning how to read, like, it actually affected, like, societally how our brains were working. I can see that. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to read this quote from the article that's very technical. Um, I think I understand most of it, but uh, we'll see. Uh, this renovation has left you with a specialized area in your left ventral occipital temporal region, <laughs> shifted facial recognition into your right hemisphere, reduced your inclination toward holistic visual processing, increased your verbal memory, and thickened your corpus callosum, which is the information highway that connects the left and right hemispheres of your brain. Um, so putting all that in less technical terms, uh, reading wow. strengthens your ability to imagine alternative paths, remember details, picture detailed scenes, and think through complex problems, which all sound like good things to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically our brains have actually like physiologically changed to be better at those things. Like wow. as we become a more literate society. Um, that's cool. But yeah, in short, reading makes you not just more knowledgeable, but also functionally smarter. Yeah, so like I, I said, I, like I said, I think I should maybe read more. You should read more. <laughs> so I always tell, well, I don't know. I shouldn't say I always tell because like this situation doesn't come up that often. But if somebody tells me that they don't like reading, I tend to indicate that I think that you just haven't found the stuff that you would be interested in reading. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I think there's something out there for everybody to enjoy. Whether that's like, you know, some type of fiction or some type of like, honestly, even just like, um, like manga type stuff, stuff that's very visual. You're still like reading if you're mm -hmm. doing that, even if it's not like super yeah. word rich or word dense or something. Or, yeah. I like to think I'm getting some of it, some of it from video games. Cause there is a lot of reading in those yeah. as well, but there is, there's, It'd probably be better if I was actually like reading a book, but yeah, I just thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, it I mean, is. It, it, it makes sense to a degree, right? Like when you, it's kind of like when you lift weights, your muscles get better at certain things. When yeah. you read more, your brain gets better at doing certain things. I think it does make sense. Yeah. My next story is animal news. <laughs> This is also from sciencealert.com. The headline is, Gorgeous Egyptian art from 4,600 years ago reveals an extinct goose. <laughs> <laughs> the way that you presented that. <laughs> I used hand motions for the yes. listeners. And so, artwork that had adorned the walls of an Egyptian prince's tomb for more than four millennia has now been found to contain images of a bird completely unknown to modern science. So I'll explain why people didn't already know 
this. <laughs> so, in a, well, I was just, okay, in a nutshell, okay, <laughs> um, people that had looked at this artwork in the past just assumed that that was, like, a type of known goose. And there's been, like, debates over, like, what type of goose is this? <laughs> and now somebody has actually, like, taken an actual systematic real approach to figuring it out and has determined that like it's not any goose that we know it was a different extinct goose <laughs> we just so, have like a person just dedicating their life to like what goose is this <laughs> tell me yeah that's probably a person uh that's probably a real person <laughs> So are the I guess now I read what the article said. Although archaeologists have been eyeing the representations of local waterfowl since the fresco's discovery at the dick site of just walking Mito. past going, oh. oh some nice waterfowl. <laughs> some nice waterfowl in there. Um the, it, this thing was discovered in 1871. It took uh this evolutionary biologist's clever taxonomic sleuthing to see the birds for what they really were. So last year, Anthony Romilio from the University of Queensland in Australia took a closer look at the six birds represented in this famous piece known as the medium geese, a, again, 4,600-year-old painting historians describe as one of the great masterpieces of the Egyptian animal genre. Uh, in spite of centuries of scrutiny and the fact that it holds a place in history as the oldest recording of birds with enough detail to nail down a species, <laughs> the precise identity of most of these species has never been fully agreed upon. So there are still debates today <laughs> about what the I'm birds just, are. <laughs> like picturing like a conference room at some convention that's just like, what goose is this? <laughs> and they're just, you go in and there's like a bunch of scientists just screaming at each other like, it's this goose. Oh, it's this goose. <laughs> um, so... Rather than simply winging it, pun intended, uh, uh, Romilio had used a, an objective framework to compare 13 visible characteristics on each animal according to a scale of dissimilarity referred to as the Tobias criteria, okay. which is a, <laughs> a, <laughs> a highly effective method in identifying species using quantitative measurements of key bird features. <laughs> yes, somebody came up with this. So there's just so much detail to figure out what a goose is in a painting. Like, well, apparently there's like a lot of types of geese, and they just they want to know. They want to know which one it was. Inquiring was minds need to know which um, goose. So going by his assessment, the pair, I guess it's like two birds in particular that were most contentious. Uh. That pair of birds were too different from red-breasted geese, which was the like kind of most commonly held belief. Like those are probably red-breasted geese. Mm. They're too different from those to be assumed to be those. Even taking into account the possibility of artistic interpretation. Because like, I guess this fresco is like very anatomically accurate mm -hmm. with its representation of animals or like the other, the animal artwork that was found in that era was. Right. So they're assuming that it's accurate, yeah. I guess. Okay. So that's why they can do this. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, this is a quote from him from a zoological perspective. The Egyptian artwork is the only documentation of this distinctively patterned goose, which appears now to be globally extinct. <laughs> and, um, 
that's that's where they're at in their investigation that they think it's an extinct goose yeah. that we don't have around anymore. So awfully convenient. This <laughs> this research was published in the Journal of Archaeological Science Reports. Ah, yes. So the classic. It's a mystery. Ooh, mystery goose. Mystery goose. So. Huh. Yeah, so that's that was fun. <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> I just, that's more I, than I've ever thought about a bird in a picture before. <laughs> I um, I didn't have time to quite look up uh, more details about this Tobias criteria that was yeah. mentioned, but I'm kind of interested it's in what kind of that thrown is. Out it's there like, like they knew what that, like they thought we all would know what that meant. Yeah, like I get, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that it's something almost like the Vitruvian Man, except for like a bird, where it's like the the beak. <laughs> Of this species is like this proportion compared to the head and the, the body. I don't know. It's probably, maybe it's something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Because we'll have to, I don't know. We, we'll I have to know dig into the Tobias criteria. <laughs> yeah. My next story is animal news. <laughs> this is from NBC. Alaska woman using outhouse attacked by bear from below. <laughs> oh, no. I, she's okay. Um, I feel like we should always I, preface with that. So I it, knew. I figured that. It is Otherwise, okay yeah. to laugh. If, um, the, if, if the person was severely injured, I felt, feel like you wouldn't have. Yeah, I wouldn't oh, be yeah. laughing so hard. Right. Probably. Um, so... <laughs> This article just starts right off with a quote from the person. (laughs) I got out there and sat down on the toilet and immediately something bit my butt right as I sat down. (laughs) I jumped up and I screamed when it happened. Uh, This according to Shannon Stevens, uh, the person who was uh, attacked by the bear from below. Uh, (laughs) Stevens, as well as her brother Eric and his girlfriend, had taken snowmobiles into the wilderness February 13th to stay at his yurt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> which is another delightful detail of the story there's a yurt there's there's a yurt involved um, i'm sorry I, the re- I have to explain why i'm laughing so hard at that because um my my sister-in-law has a yurt for her cat and so i i just associate like i know that that's it's a real thing in real life it's just like whenever i think of yurt it's like <laughs> cat yurt yeah. <laughs> yes um, the, the yurt was located about 20 miles northwest of Haines, uh, in Southeast Alaska. Her brother heard the screaming and went out to the outhouse about 150 feet away from the yurt. <laughs> they keep saying yurt. Uh, they at first thought she had bitten by a squirrel or a mink, like something small, but they were mistaken. Uh, the brother said, I just shut the lid as fast as I could. I said, there's a bear down there. We got to get out of here now. <laughs> And we ran back to the yurt as fast oh as we gosh. could. <laughs> that would be really scary in the moment. That you like, open a but toilet like, and there's a bear in the toilet. That's not where you keep a bear. Uh, they said the wound wasn't very serious, so they were able to just treat her with a first aid kit, uh, which is good. That's good. <laughs> um, the next morning, they found bear tracks all over the property, but the bear had left the area. Uh, and they said you could see the tracks across the snow and coming up to the side of the outhouse. Uh, they figure the bear got inside the outhouse through an opening at the bottom of the back door. Um, apparently, outhouses have back doors. I don't know. Yeah, how does this? What is okay? <laughs> what's underneath so, the outhouse? Is it like? A, isn't it just like a? I pit? thought it was a pit. Like, 
How did the bear get in there? So I guess there was like an opening and maybe it like, so like an outhouse is just like four walls and then there's like a seat with a hole in it. Yeah. Right? And I think there's both a front door to get in to use the seat and then there's a back door to like access the pit. Okay. And I think that there there was apparently an opening like at the bottom of the back door so that it was able to get into the pit, which sounds disgusting also. Like, yeah, it's like, why did it go uh, in there? Why? <laughs> I don't know. I, so many questions. <laughs> who, can, who can know what who bears can are thinking? Um, so Alaska Department of Fish and Game Wildlife Management Biologist Carl Koch suspects it was a black bear based upon photos of the tracks he saw and the fact that a neighbor living about a half mile away sent him a photo of a black bear on her property two days later. Mm. Um, some good sleuthing there by by Mr. Coke. Yeah. Uh, he suspects Shannon's wound was caused by the bear swatting at her with a paw rather than being bitten, which probably makes more oh, sense. Oh, that, yeah. Um, <laughs> either That's way. probably... Because yeah. I don't think a bear's like first instinct is to like, just like oh, let me bite. Just nip. Yeah. I know, I think it would swat. Yeah. More likely. Uh, either way, he says the location might be the might be a first. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the brother Eric says he'll be carrying bear spray with him all the time now when going into the back country, um, and Shannon plans to change one behavior as well. She said, "I'm just going to be better about looking inside the toilet before sitting down now, for sure." I feel like I would be traumatized for oh, life. Like 100%. I would just always just be like, is there a dangerous is, animal in the toilet? Specifically, is there a bear in the toilet <laughs> before I use it? Wow. This is this just goes to show you never stay in a yurt. <laughs> yeah, that's the lesson that's from the this. That's the takeaway from this. Um yeah, actually, though, I'm sure I'm sure when that happened, like, we're laughing about it when that oh, actually yeah. happened. It, it was probably terrifying. terrifying. Like, oh, my gosh. The thing you you don't oh. expect when you sit down on a toilet to just, like, suddenly be attacked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's time for breaking news, the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. PP00128. You remembered. <laughs> Ready, set, Go! go. All right, I found this on BBC News, and the headline is Van Gogh Paris painting goes on public display for first time. So apparently there is a Van Gogh that has been in somebody's private collection for 100 years, and now it's actually going on display in a museum. Oh, where, you know, it should have been. <laughs> where maybe it should have been. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's called A Street Scene in... Montmartre? I don't know how to pronounce it. Montmartre. It's a town in, uh, they mentioned it in Moulin Rouge, the movie. Oh. Yeah, Montmartre. That town? Yeah. Montmartre. Yeah, that place. I don't know how to actually pronounce it, but I recognize the name. It's a street scene in that place. It's the name (laughs) of the painting. And it was owned by a French family. And wait, apparently it's going to be sold at an auction next month? I'm confused. (laughs) is it going on display or not (laughs) oh maybe when the headline said goes on public display they meant they meant it as part of like one of those expensive art auctions where they it's the stuff is basically on display for a while and then it's like for sale air quotes 
I think that that's actually what well, they that's meant. Not much I better. misinterpreted the <laughs> start of the thing. Quick, somebody get in there and buy <laughs> it for a museum. <laughs> breaking, we're doing it live, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quick, somebody buy it for a museum. Yeah, I guess I guess the family that owned it is just like auctioning it off. So it's on it's on display right now as part of like that the auction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and they're thinking it might uh, might sell for eight million euros because it's a. Van Gogh. Real Van Gogh. Because yeah. it's a genuine Van Gogh painting. Yeah. <laughs> right. That makes sense. Um, yeah, and then it kind of goes into a little bit about like why this is an interesting painting and who Van Gogh was. is. Yeah. <laughs> who was Van Gogh? <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean it looks honestly like very average, like it's fine. Uh-huh. Oh, here's the here it is. Here, I'll just show you. Oh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> is that the Moulin Rouge behind it? Like in the background there? Is that a red windmill? <laughs> that's a Windmill with and a little like hut. I don't think that that's the Moulin Rouge. <laughs> um, all right, see yourself. I think I think all red windmills are the Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. <laughs> I mean, maybe it. Maybe that's actually what it looked like. Yeah, in real life, I I wouldn't know. I I yeah. Also, same. I'm pretty sure Moulin Rouge is just red windmill in French. So, oh, I guess technically they are all. <laughs> the Moulin Rouge. That makes sense. <laughs> I don't know French, so I didn't know that. <laughs> Sacre bleu. Sacre bleu. Sorry to all our French listeners. Oh wait, I actually we had I don't even I just know that, that they use that phrase in um uh Beauty and the Beast. Oh, <laughs> oh I didn't in Ratatouille also, yeah. Probably. I don't actually I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> It's a good movie. You'd like that one. You should watch that one. All right. Good. I found this on Lifehacker. Uh, and they say, before you pay for Spotify's hi-fi, test your hearing. Um, so apparently Spotify okay. is an, is coming out with a new service tier for lossless audio streaming. Oh, which interesting. Which just means like it's going to be the highest quality audio they can possibly stream. Yeah. Um. It's expected to be like twenty dollars a month, as opposed to like the current. I think is like nine ninety nine or like something. Like ten, it's, yeah, 10. it's really not bad. Um, but yeah, they said basically the the article is just saying like most people can't tell the difference between their current like highest uh, streaming quality and lossless audio, and they give you like a few tips on like how you can test your hearing because there there's like basically like a B tests online you can take where you like play two different versions of a track and you have to identify whether it's like lossless or oh, not. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, everyone in the article and like several people they quoted it is like, we can't tell the difference. between. <laughs> like, <laughs> even people who consider themselves like audio snobs and are like really listening carefully. They just like, can't tell the difference. So yeah, it's basically a whole <laughs> article saying like this Spotify is doing this thing, probably don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I I mean as long as they don't somehow like degrade their current audio quality. Right, which I don't think there would be any at, at least as of right now, I don't think there's any intention to do that. But yeah, even That's to good. like consume lossless audio, you need like headphones and stuff that yeah. actually allow you to do so or you need just special like really equipment like quality speakers or, or that kind of thing 
yeah, I should say just like you need high quality hardware too right. to consume it correctly. Yeah. So it's probably not going to be worth it for like the vast majority of people. Maybe if you just feel yeah. like paying an extra ten dollars a month for something. <laughs> Maybe you just think Spotify's <laughs> a really good like cause. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nowadays, don't aren't we all just trying to find things to just throw our money at? I mean, I mean, that's what everyone's for doing. Sure, right now. yeah, yeah. We're, we're all just we're all just super that was rich and sarcastic. Wanna, yeah. <laughs> Just, just in case it wasn't just, clear. Yeah, just got to get rid of all this extra money we've got yeah. lying around. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews, on Twitter at at knickknacknews, and on Instagram at knickknacknews. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.